Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Future Tech Podcast. This is Juliet Lamar. My guest today is Ashvin Mihalani. He is a researcher at Blockchain at Berkeley. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. I can't wait to hear all about Blockchain at Berkeley. So let's get started. You know, who are you guys and what do you do? So uh, Blockchain at Berkeley, just to give you a quick overview, wasn't always um, Blockchain at Berkeley. We started off as the Berkeley Bitcoin um, Club, and that was back when uh, Bitcoin and blockchain were just getting started off. But um, as, the, both, as both we evolved and as both the, uh, the ecosystem as a whole evolved, we felt the need to diversify ourselves because the technology was just progressing so much farther than just uh, Bitcoin itself, and it was expanding in so many areas. Uh, while initially we were more of a talkative group, we talked about recent events and so forth, uh, now we've expanded into a, a kind of like a tri, um, tri-focused uh, company slash organization. Uh, Blockchain at Berkeley's primary purpose is to provide a, both a learning space and an opportunity for growth for the blockchain industry, specifically targeted towards um, students at Blockchain at Berkeley and overall the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, we have three main branches, consultancy, which works with external companies, and kind of aims to provide products and um, do a specific type of more business-oriented research. Uh, we have research and development, which is much more focused on the technical layer. These partner up, these do their own research as well as partner up with several prominent organizations 
within um, the blockchain uh, blockchain e uh, sys uh, platform. And then we also have um, education. Education is primarily our outreach branch. We provide several courses here at Berkeley as well as online, and we provide a wealth of material to available free for everybody to learn about blockchain at Berkeley and kind of advance the public's knowledge about uh, blockchain in general. So, I mean, that's kind of like what we do. Um, it's, uh, the, it's a wide goal, and we realize that it's, uh, it's we're trying to do it all, but we have been doing it quite successfully, and we feel that, um, especially in such a young industry like blockchain, there's really a niche that needs to be filled, and we fill it quite nicely, at least in the Bay Area. And up there, you're you're right in the thick of it with all these technology companies who probably are more accepting of of blockchain technologies than, say, other places in the world. Right. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting fact. Um, we do get um, our primarily we primarily commute with um, local startups. I mean, we're in Berkeley. We're right next to the San Francisco, the Silicon Valley area. So we have a lot of like young tech coming in. At the same time, mm -hmm. um, we do realize that there are some older tech companies that want to get involved, especially this past year as blockchain has exploded both as a hype term and as a technology. But in terms of more like developing nations, there are also some outreach going on there. We have some work we do in China. We have some work that's being uh, negotiated right now in India. A lot of these places view blockchain as a source of security, and it's, uh, it's necessary there that uh, when certain organizations fail to provide that security, blockchain can step in. Um, so we, we see a wealth of, um, we see a wealth of clients and both uh, opportunities available all over the world. But uh, just due to physical resources and kind of our own limitations, we deal primarily in the Bay Area. Excellent, excellent. And so, I mean, how did you get involved in this? So, I mean, uh, I got involved. Uh, I didn't get involved. I got involved with blockchain a while ago. Um, blockchain was back uh, back when it was first starting to hype up back in like 2014. Uh, I don't know how many of your listeners will remember this, but we had those blockchain kiosks. Um, I know one specifically. I remember quite vividly. It was by Starbucks, and that's kind of when I got the. Uh, I got kind of got the. We call it the blockchain bug because once you get into this, you kind of never leave. But um, I got it there, and then um, I came here to Berkeley. Uh, Berkeley, I was interested in doing some electrical engineering plus economics stuff, and blockchain seemed to fit right there. And then I started off with one of our introductory classes. Um, I took the introductory class to blockchain that we offer here at Berkeley. And then I got hooked into the club because the club sponsors it and it kind of teaches it along the go. And then um, I got very heavily into the research division um, and started doing that. And it's been a, it's been a wild ride. It's uh, it's um, we've seen the highs and we've seen the lows. And um, even though um, a lot of us don't want to pay attention to price, we do realize that price is a motivating factor. And um, I mean, I'm sure all of you guys have heard on the news the massive ups and downs. But we haven't. We, a lot of us haven't, have not really stooped, but have taken advantage of that. But a lot of us are in it for the long haul. And um, so that's, uh, that's where we are right now. Um, do, you think that that, right now. do you think that that being in it for the long haul is maybe what people should focus on then? Because it is such a volatile market at this time that the people who try to play it like the stock market, it's, it, it's too exhausting because it is a 24-hour market. It doesn't close and there isn't a lot of transparency as to why or how or you know when it's going to do what it does. Would you suggest then people kind of buy and hold? I mean, there's, there's like two, I guess, approaches to how we would take it, right? Um, because uh, it seems to be extremely, especially to newcomers to the market, I'll speak specifically on that case. It seems very, um, but they don't really understand like the implications of the technology. Mm -hmm. um, the technology um, is um, primarily being used, or not primarily, but um, the most spotlight the technology gets is in financial situations, um, Bitcoin, 
um, Ethereum, you know, all of these these kind of financial markets that being are being aggregated. But there are other implications. There are other use cases. And when I say long haul, I mean that um, it shouldn't. At least for me, I'm going to speak only on my personal behalf. For me, I don't see a blockchain advising as a financial system merely because um, for a real strong financial system to exist, you need some sort of regulation, and that, that doesn't really, it kind of runs contrary to what blockchain is about. But the technology behind it can work really well as more as like a back-end optimization. There's a lot of like, um, mm. there's a lot of features about blockchain that companies would find extremely useful as kind of like a back-end solution. And I was reading an article this uh, this past month, I think, it was really interesting. He said that um, blockchain is all the hype right now, but eventually what he put, uh, the author of this article predicted is that they'll never actually interact with the blockchain. It'll all be like these uh, these massive companies implementing it in the back end, and therefore it'll make the user experience more efficient, but you'll, they'll never be like broadcasting, hey, this is a blockchain solution. But um, for that reason, exactly. I think it's good for the long haul, because then you can actually realize that you won't become... Like, I don't want to say useless, but if you know how to maintain the technology, it'll be the same thing as learning, like, say, maintaining a SQL server. You should know blockchain, you should know the languages it's coded in, and then you can say, hey, I can maintain it, and that you increase your marketability, and that's overall a better net gain than trying to play the market, especially since it's so unpredictable. Exactly. And and that's, you hit on the, the fact that like, people don't know how to use it efficiently, but a little education, which you provide here at um, Blockchain at Berkeley, would help them be able to see the big picture of all of it and not just not just see Bitcoin. They would actually see all the other applications. Yeah, I mean, it's very true. Um, so um, we actually, so we, we, we try to provide to our audience, right? So we do have several associated trading courses, and then we also have several associated uh, courses that kind of teach the audience. And um, we, we, we realize that, that, that people do play it for the market, and that's particularly We've seen it though, just in attendance into our club. Whenever the market's high, we'll see uh, a lot of attendance, and whenever the market's low, we'll see a little bit less attendance. But we really, one thing we really want to stress is that that blockchain as a whole is is much more than just Bitcoin and the trading. Sure, that's an aspect of it, and sure, if you want to go into that, that's a lot of people's entry point to, to the to the entire ecosystem. But once you get in, you should explore other options. And maybe don't bet your whole life savings on Bitcoin. I mean, that's never a good idea. Never a good idea to invest mm-hmm. all of your savings in one asset, diversify a bit. But um, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Um, a lot of the um, a lot of the use cases it makes most sense applicable if you if you actually understand like the nuances behind um, blockchain it makes most sense in a, a blockchain uh, in a finance situation or a financial market situation but I mean if you also have to realize that every single one of these new coins that's being developed will not come into like existence they won't survive so I mean exactly. in reality out of like the maybe like I think last time I checked, there's like 200 coins that are publicly traded. One will probably survive. And if you, I mean, that's a terrible odds, one to 200. I mean, nobody wants to play that. <laughs> no, not really. Mm-hmm. So um, you you said you have consulting, you have research development, education. Tell me more about the research development. What what kind of fun, exciting, and new things are you finding? So yeah, research and development. Um, so for those of you who know a little background, um, Ethereum is a, a cryptocurrency that's quite popular. I would say it's probably top five. And um, they were doing a uh, they were doing a technical change where they were changing the consensus mechanism from proof of work to proof of stake. And there were some lingering um, economic um, concerns about proof of stake. So uh, most uh, considerably is um, whether are random processes enough to get above the security threshold. 
Um, we wrote a very detailed white paper about that. That was really done. We we were consult we were in talks with Ethereum Foundation. Um, so that's one of the research we do. We kind of do that kind of economics research where we study because um, that's one of the ones we can kind of excel in. It's kind of one of the areas that haven't been targeted yet. Uh, beyond that, we do uh, kind of uh, overall security and auditing. That's one part that we do. We offer our services in that. And then we also do a lot of individual research. Uh, a lot of people are interested in uh, creating a stable currency because stable currencies are useful in the real world rather than having highs and lows. We also worry about kind of uh, creating specialized hardware that can mine quite well. And we're in the process of doing that. And then we also kind of uh, establish, we do a lot of consulting for new companies that kind of want to say that we have this idea, um, how do we implement it? And we kind of say, this is the fundamentals, you know, here's a prototype and so forth. And that's kind of what the research do. I mean, I guess to summarize, we do kind of like three specific aspects. We research economic feasibility and long-term consequences of specific protocols that maybe individuals, organizations haven't thought out so much. Uh, Two, we do kind of more on the hardware side where we're kind of, messing around with uh, kind of increasing hardware efficiency. And the third one is kind of we um, develop products from the ground up that kind of have a new idea or a novel idea. Very cool. That's, I mean, that's, your plate's already full with that, and you still offer two more things, which one right. of which so, I mean, is... <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Oh, I was about to say, um, yeah, I mean, it can do parts because we have a lot of dedicated students that are willing to do it. I mean, students, uh, if they uh, say that if they take... They want to join blockchain and Berkeley if I'm really involved with like another job. We're working, uh, we have students that work up until like 2 a.m. on the weekdays. We have like students who put in like 40 hours of work and we have about like 100 to 120 students that are willing to do that. So, I mean, if you have a lot of students, you have a lot of manpower, they're all smart, they all came to Berkeley. They certainly know what they're doing. So we are able to offer all these variety of services. That's that's fantastic. And, and then I was going to dive right into the consulting. So when a business comes to you or a startup or whatnot, what do you have to offer them? Walk us through that. So um, usually we start up with, um, it kind of depends where the business is at, right? So um, a lot of businesses come to us with um, an idea and they say that, is this feasible? Is this um, is this uh, something that's already been created? And that's kind of like um, the market research or the part. We do that. Um, we also provide um, kind of, um, so we provide the technical explanation. We write that up. Um, it's called the white paper in the community. So we do white paper write-ups as well. And then the third one is that we develop prototypes. Um, the slightly, uh, the way we differentiate between R&D and uh, the consultancy branch is that consultancy oftentimes builds upon an existing platform, while R&D often has to work from the scratch up. Um, so that's kind of what business does. Uh, so where, depending on where the company is on the platform, we'll provide that kind of service. Um, we've worked with notable companies, um, Airbus being one of the most prominent ones. They just announced, uh, I think it wasn't recent, but it was like six months ago, they announced that they were rolling out a blockchain prototype uh, on forums in select locations. We developed that and gave it to them. And then so uh, we also work with several other companies. We work with uh, BMW is another one we're working with. And and there's some other companies that we work for a really big name. And then suddenly we have all the startups that we work with. Um, They're just numerous to name. We work quite heavily with consensus. Um, We have close ties with consensus and we kind of work with them. And then in addition to that, we kind of uh, provide um, educational training, which kind of delves slightly into the education branch as well, but we provide company education training where we go and present blockchain technology to a lot of these big companies in um, sort of like a teaching fashion. Um, with that, our most notable client would probably be Qualcomm. Excellent. Wow. I mean, this is this is very legit <laughs> 
companies that you're working with here. Right. I mean, so like nobody knows about blockchain tech. I mean, it was it's kind of a thing. And then um, uh, blockchain, I always say blockchain is an industry that if you want to get in young, you can get in young because all of like the leaders uh, of the industry are like 25, 26 year old. <laughs> not yeah. as, um, I, I realize that to a degree that's tech in general, but it's very much this one because the industry is so young. I mean, everybody has to start from the ground up. And to those of us who are starting in college or younger, we're just as qualified if not more than um, anybody who tries to start start learning the technology at like 30 or 40. Exactly. And and you're, you're more malleable or at least open to malleability with, with this because you are young and you, you don't have old preconcepti- preconceptions of, you know, what is and what is not. It's all it's all up for grabs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I think like uh, one thing that, that I think that really Nell lends us to it is that we um, we are very uh, blockchain in general is a very interdisciplinary subject in general. So I mean I don't know if you from what I've been talking about. There's a lot of economics in it. There's a lot of computer science in it. There's a lot of math in it. And just because we haven't already decided what we want to be or decided that this is our field, then we haven't really, um, I guess, yeah, we haven't really set in our ways that so much as that. Um, and then we're allowed to grasp all types of knowledge. And that's one thing we really pride ourselves at blockchain at Berkeley is that we really don't care what's your background or, um, or uh, what's your background or what, what major you're studying. It's all about, can you come in here? Can you provide value? Can you do the work? If so, we'll take you in, we'll, we'll build you up. And then once we build you up, then we basically release you to the world and go make your mark. And that's fantastic. You're you're giving back to the planet in that way with with just straight knowledge. Yeah, I mean it's it's the reason we take our education grants so seriously. So I know um at least to a lot of other clubs in campus that um education, at least the courses they offer is kind of um I wouldn't say that the the they're they're bad, but they're just um, not of of the highest level. We at Blockchain and Berkeley do really believe that we need to give back to the community. And so, as a result, our courses are we have like math. We have two. We keep on expanding our course offering. Each iteration, we have like an iterative review process. Um, the materials are being ported online to an edX course, and we try to really make sure that that not we aren't just benefiting ourselves, but the, the fact that the community can benefit as a whole. Because if the community benefits, then we benefit, and it's like a mutually beneficial relationship. Exactly. So, what is I guess the structure of then? your classes in education? Is it is it just a class you take during a semester? Is it an ongoing thing? Is it more of like a meetup? Like how do you run your education? So um, education works in, so so I mean, we have a wide variety of education offerings to say the least. Um, when we do have a meetup that's run, it's called Berkeley Bitcoin Association. And that's a meetup where we bring in new speakers. We bring in, we do, um, every year we'll do two or three workshops based on the ba- uh, basics and then everywhere else we'll try to bring in new and interesting speakers. And then we do have courses offered uh, online. Uh, these are specifically called DECAL. These are offered to Berkeley students and the materials are available for free. We have a developer course and we have like a blockchain fundamentals course. And then on top of that, this year we're releasing our edX course, which will be available to anybody online. And the difference between that and our regular courses we offer at Berkeley is that that's geared specifically as an online only format where the, the Berkeley courses are more that we teach it in person, and then we kind of release the materials online for anybody to use. That's being released um, this this um, this I think, the, I think the timeline is this semester. So I mean, those are three main uh, education courses, and of course, um, we kind of also kind of do um, things like this, where we kind of talk to individuals and podcasts. We recently did one for the Berkeley Radio, uh, the Berkeley City Radio, and we kind of do we present our own speakers at events. Uh, if, if we're requested and so forth. So 
that uh, that's really cool that you don't have to be a student at Berkeley to take advantage of these of these courses. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's a really great idea because, um, like I said, we realize that that right now the industry is just mostly college students, the people who are just out of college. But at the same time, as the industry matures, so do the individuals. We we can't just be limited in our mindset and saying that everybody who wants to learn about uh, blockchain can come to Berkeley or can have, have the necessary resources available to come to Berkeley. So our mindset is that um, we'll offer it in Berkeley and just because we're in Berkeley, it kind of has the, um, it kind of has the, it has the first initial effort, which is what we offer through our courses. But as that effort becomes more refined and needs less overall upkeep, we're now expanding our offerings and saying, hey, if you don't, if you can't come to Berkeley or if you can't, don't have the necessary means, we offer these courses online so that you can learn the exact same thing we are, and then you can go and make your impact on the world. It seems very open source of you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as I hear, right? Um, um, so I guess what, from your from your standpoint, where do you see block, blockchain going within the next three to five years? I mean, you touched on it a little bit, but do you see any major changing, changes coming? So um, with any emerging tech, um, you kind of have these these five stages, right? Um, you, you, see, you see this with the dot-com bubble. You're slowly starting to see this with AI, and you're just going to see it with any type of emerging tech. First, you have the early adopters, and then you have the, the first round of mainstream adopters. Then you have um, an overall slump in between the, the adopters. Then you have the second, um, second mainstream adopters. And then five, you have overall integration. And right now where you see blockchain is kind of in between that first and second mainstream adoption. And what we want to see and what we really do want to hope to see is that uh, we, have, um, uh, we have a mainstream adoption. And we kind of do see that with all the big companies that are taking interest. And it becomes important because um, startups are great and all, and all these startups that are jumping up around blockchain technology are great. But in reality, a startup doesn't really have much, to, much potential beyond being maybe being one of like the one in a million that can uh, break into the big leagues or being acquired by a big company. So what we, I think we can really see in these next five, 10, 10 years is kind of mainstream adoption. But at the same time, like I've mentioned previously, mainstream adoption will not necessarily be in the public eye. It'll be more of these companies are looking for uh, develop blockchain developers and they'll kind of um, take them in and then they'll make maybe to a quiet press release saying we're using blockchain technology. And then they'll slowly just kind of it'll fade into the um, fade into the background. And we can already see this. I mean, I don't know how much everybody is paying attention to kind of like the overall job markets, but um, a lot of big companies are asking for blockchain developers. Um, IBM is asking for some. T-Mobile is asking for some. Um, Walmart is asking for some, and, and so forth and so forth. So we kind of we're kind of in that last stage, kind of approaching that last stage, and um, of mainstream adoption. And I kind of think that's where we see it. A lot of these. Um, a lot of these uh, coins or cryptocurrencies kind of are driven by hype alone, and I'm not degrading any of them. I, I do like a couple of the projects going on, but that's kind of not where we'll see the most growth. Because um, SEC regulations uh, and opposed to other, th- other external factors are kind of limiting the growth of those. So where that growth is being stifled, kind of slowly funneled into mainstream corporations kind of adopting it and kind of like quietly in the back end. What do you think is the major hurdle to get over for blockchain to take that next step? Lack of talent, mainly. Um, so um, I kind of touched upon this earlier. A lot of people are getting into blockchain for the hype and they're kind of getting into that. And while that seems like you have a large pool of talent, there are very few people who can kind of actually implement it 
and uh, implement it and understand it from bottom to end. It's one of the reasons we push so hard on our education branch because we want to increase the talent pool. Because, I mean, if, if you look at overall, like, uh, if you just look at overall salaries for blockchain developers, you're reaching maybe 1.3, 1.4 times the average computer science develop, computer science salary. And a lot of that is because of a lack of talent. If you have a lack of talent, your overall skin mm-hmm. and growth. And added to the fact that um, this adds to the overall um, investment com- big companies have to make. In reality, all the talent's going to small startups. Um, so, I mean, there's a lack of talent, and that's why we really try to push, like, awareness about blockchain. If you're aware, you should get interested. If you're interested, then you should delve further and become uh, uh, add to the talent pool. Exactly, because the need is there. The need is – the wave is coming that where we're going to need a coming. ton of people. Yep. Well, that's super insightful. So now I need to go tell all of my tech friends to go become blockchain engineers. <laughs> Yeah, I make the joke with all my friends that, hey, if you want a job right out of college, one, do computer science because there's always going to be a need for computer science. And two, if you really want a job that's, like, high-paying and you don't mind working for a startup, become a blockchain developer. It um it honestly doesn't take that much effort. I mean, maybe I'm saying it kind of a, as a hindsight 2020 thing, but um, it's, it's, it's honestly maybe, like, two years, uh, two years of work, and that's assuming you come in with no computer science experience at all. Um, all my friends that are looking for a job, I'm like, spend like, a, take a couple of our courses, uh, try out some projects, uh, get a temp job in the meanwhile, in six or seven months, if hopefully the industry has collapsed, you'll get a job paying six figures. And it's a really great way for people to get into the industry and really start making money, especially right out of college. And the best thing is, is that the skills are totally applicable um, outside of the blockchain industry. You'll always need some kind of crypto economics uh, major because if the, if the blockchain fails, then you can go into the finance industry and kind of work on uh, a lot of the, we work for like Blackwell or one of the other um, trading companies. I mean, the skills are applicable. So, I mean, the best way to like make money real fast right now is become a blockchain developer. And this, you know, I don't know too much about, obviously, but the blockchain development, um, but my coder friends, so is blockchain just a language that you'd have to learn or is it, uh, you know, I, I guess what exactly goes into learning about it? So blockchain, it's it's so um, I would have to take the call it a language. It's much more of a um, for those technically inclined a data structure and the okay. associated um, ways you have to code. Strictly from like a coding perspective, it's much more about learning how to code, how to solve certain problems specifically in back specific data structure type manner. Um, you do have to learn like a new language, but um, for many computer scientists and coders, that's not really the biggest problem because mm-hmm. um, the the you know, like we pick up languages just like that, and it's more of like you take a, you take a couple months, couple months to learn a language and you're good to go. But it's uh, you have to it's a, since it's a new data structure, you have to learn a new way to analyze problems. And um, so um, I'll give the most common example. Um, something that a lot of programmers take for granted is random randomness in in a program. Um, it's, it's specifically like you can get any, there's a really easy way to generate randomness. You either create a string and you start generating a seed from it, or you take like the average of all your computer parts and you get like a random number and then generate a random number based on that. But in blockchain, since the idea of the data structure is that the, um, the, um, the code can be run multiple times and it should be run multiple times and produce the same result, it's really hard to get randomness in it. 
through randomness that can stand up to, let's say, like if you implement like a gambling uh, gambling casino on the blockchain. And it's it's real hard to get true randomness. And if you do try to get true randomness, there are like all sort of caveats, like this last player gets two tries to go ahead and so forth and so forth. And it's more about thinking about new ways to solve the problems rather than just the language itself. And plus, language is always changing. Ethereum is just releasing and slowly rolling out its new language called Viper. So, I mean, don't anticipate the language to stay away for a long time. All right. I think that's going to be super insightful for people. And hopefully, this is going to generate a whole new wave of blockchainers coming into the system. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty cool. I'm always looking for people to help expand the industry. Wonderful. Well. Ashwin, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been very insightful and motivating, hopefully, to a lot of our IT people out there looking for a career shift. Appreciate the opportunity. Of course. All right. Have a great day. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000-plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.